You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Anyone remember this one? Put your hand up if you remember it. You can keep your hand moving like that. 1990s chic. complete and utter lie. Maybe things will get better if you look like you're a pop star and do a lot of that. Things will only get better. But you know, for most of us, that's not the reality of our lives. Let us close in prayer. You know, if you look at the stories of Christians and look at stories of believers all the way through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you will discover that things don't always get better. Amen. Sometimes things get worse. Amen. Before they get better. So I bet you're glad you came to church on a cold November morning to hear that things are going to get worse. I'm going to look at a passage of scripture this morning that I think indicates the type of life that most of us experience. You see, I don't have a rock star lifestyle. Oh, is the correct answer that? Let's try it again. I don't have a rock star lifestyle. Aww. Doesn't stop me from having anyway. Moving on, but I don't have a rock. Star. I have some rock star habits, and no, I don't have some rock star habits. I'm only joking. I'm really only joking. And if can we delete that there from the audio? <laughs> uh, anyway, the life of most Christian believers, the life of most believers in God, do not go perfectly smoothly and rise up and up and up until the angels sing and everything goes smoothly and happily. If your life is like my life, and I think my life is a fairly normal life, you will find that your life has ups and downs just like my life has ups and downs. It has moments when God seems very real and very near and very close, and there are times when sometimes God feels a bit distant Normally because I have moved, he's normally in the same place, in fairness to him. I want to look this morning at a passage of scripture. I'm looking at it from Mark's gospel, chapter 5. It's also there in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel. And uh, as I look at this passage of scripture, I want to put in just a little bit of background before I go into this passage. We're looking at a story that involves Jesus. And any story that involves Jesus is a story worth listening to. Would anybody say amen? It's great to read the words and the actions of the master, Jesus Christ. We're looking at this story. He's just crossed the lake, Lake Lake Galilee or Lake Tiberias, whichever you want to call it, Sea of Galilee or Lake Tiberias. He's crossed the lake and he has calmed the storm 
Just a little bit earlier here in Mark's Gospel chapter 4, and we've moved into chapter 5, and in chapter 5, he gets off at the other side. You see, the Lake of Galilee had a Gentile side, a non-Jewish side, and it had a Jewish side. Anyway, he gets off the boat, and he, when he goes there, he meets a man who's demon-possessed, a man who has a legion of demons. The man is full of demons, and he's total, his life is totally ruined and controlled by demonic power. And Jesus casts it out. So Jesus demonstrates his power over creation. And he demonstrates his power over the spirit world. And now he's about to demonstrate his power over sickness and over death. Jesus has the power over sickness and over death. Amen. Amen. We're going to be looking at a passage in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 22 to 43. I won't be reading it all. I'm going to abridge it. I'm going to abridge one particular part of it because in this story, there's a story within the story. And we just don't have time and space on a Sunday to go into the story within the story. But we will look at the story within the story on another occasion. But we're going to look at the primary part of the story here now. May God bless his word as we read it this morning. Would anybody say amen? You know, because if it is a busy time, if it is a distracted time, which it can be around this time of the year, it's good to stop and pause and listen to what God has to say. Amen. I want to introduce you to a man called Jairus. And Jairus was a synagogue ruler. Now, a ruler of a synagogue was the guy who basically took care of the maintenance, ran the meetings. He would have organized who was speaking in the synagogue. He was a man of great respect locally. He would have been a very well-known man in his locality. And in the locality he was in, there was a lot of Pharisees working there. So this guy was kind of walking the tightrope between the Pharisees and between uh, Jesus, who was coming into his life right now. And he would have perhaps sat on the fence about what the general opinion of Jesus was because some people at that time thought Jesus was from God and some people thought that Jesus was from the devil. And so here is this guy, um, Jairus, and he's stuck kind of in the middle. But it's amazing how we sit on the fence until we have a crisis. And then a crisis ends our sitting on the fence, doesn't it? Sometimes sitting on the fence, the fence becomes electric when we have a crisis and we can't sit in the fence anymore and we have to make a call. And this was the call that Jairus had to make. May God bless his word as we read it this morning. It says this. A leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. Jesus had just gotten off the boat. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. Let me just come back for a second. So this guy comes to Jesus and he falls on his knees before him and he pleads for Jesus to come and heal his daughter. Not something that most people did. However, when it comes to your family, you can be a bit of a nutcase. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? I remember there was a situation in school a few years ago. One of my kids was being, quote-unquote, bullied by another couple of kids in school. I'll tell this story in the 10th service. I won't tell it in the 12 when they're here. But uh, they were being bullied in school. And I went into school, and the teacher said, look, there's a situation. You know, uh, your son, he's being bullied by a couple of other kids. Now, he was well able to bully himself, by the way, just for the record. I'm not going to paint him as an angel. But he's being bullied. And, and the woman said, you know, these, uh, these kids who are bullying him, they come from a difficult situation. And they come from a difficult background and we're working with them and, and, and we're working with your son and we're trying to get this all worked out. And I thought to myself, they're, work, they're coming from a difficult situation. Wait, I get my hands on them. They're going to be in a really difficult situation by the time I'm finished with them. 
Because when it comes to your own, you certainly find a whole new primeval sense inside you, don't you? And this man comes to Jesus and his only daughter is dying. The word in Greek says in extremis. She was at her last breath. And so it happens that Jesus says, okay, I'm going to go with you. He just goes with him to Jairus' house. So there's hope in the situation. It goes on to say this. As Jesus is going, let me pause again. As Jesus is going, he meets a woman or a woman comes up behind him in the middle of this big crowd and touches the hem of his garment and she's healed. And the whole show is delayed as Jesus has a conversation with this woman. It's a long story. It's not a long story, but it's a built in the story within the story. While Jesus was still speaking to this woman, it says this, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There is no use troubling the teacher now. He comes to Jesus, says, my daughter is nearly dead. And they go and they're on their way. And, and, and looks like, look, Jesus is going to come. And, you know, we know he has healing power. He's going to heal her. And then on the way there, they get held up. It's like, ah, the frustration of it. He knows his daughter's on the verge. And then the news comes that Jairus' daughter is dead. She's not named. Her name isn't mentioned. But we know she's 12 years old. And his 12-year-old daughter, the news comes to him that she is dead. What is Jairus' journey like at so far? It's like a roller coaster. And you and I can be in a roller coaster sometimes. We hope that life won't be like a roller coaster. Let's have a quick look, just even in this first couple of verses, what Jairus' journey was like. It says this first, that his daughter was dying. That's not good, no? But Jesus is coming, that's good, yeah? Jesus agrees to come to his house, that's good, yeah? He's held up on the way, that's not good. She's in extreme, she's there. And then someone else gets healed first. That's kind of good and kind of bad, you know what I'm saying? Isn't that interesting? When we're saying, Lord, would you provide a home for me? And you hear that Jerry gets a home. If there's any Jerry's here, Jerry, that's a prophecy for you getting home. And, uh, and you hear that Jerry gets a home, you go, thank you, Lord, for Jerry's home. But what about me? So he, he, someone else gets healed on the way. That's kind of good and kind of bad. Because the good news is, yes, Jesus does have the power to heal. But the bad news is that he's being held up on the way to heal his daughter. So you're kind of happy for them, but you're kind of not happy for them. You're happy for them, but you still want to get on with your business. Are you with me? Anybody else feel like I do sometimes in those situations? Don't put your hand up or you'll be shot at dawn. And then, of course, he gets the ultimate news. His daughter is dead. His daughter is dead. What a roller coaster ride. There's hope, and then the hope is dashed. And then there's hope again, and then the hope is dashed. And then there's hope again, and then the hope is dashed. That's what our lives are like sometimes, isn't it? Things sometimes get worse before they get better. We think this is it, this is the breakthrough, it's going to happen. It doesn't happen. And that's the fact things go worse. You're praying, Lord, I need a pay rise. And the boss gives you redundancy notice. Ah, that's not what I wanted. But his daughter is dead. And here is, he, here is the nexus of this story. This is the center point, the crux of this story. Because the guys come to him to say, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. Let the teacher alone. It's too late. Now, the curious thing about people being dead is they have an awful habit of, well, staying dead, don't they? And the people in this culture knew what a dead body looked like. They knew that she wasn't alive anymore. They were very familiar with mortality in this culture. They knew 
that she was dead. And sometimes in our lives, we can face situations where we've been praying for a breakthrough and a breakthrough doesn't come in the way that we want it or the time that we want it. That person that we're longing for and we love for doesn't come to know the Lord or contrary, they go in the opposite direction. That situation in home or in school or in work or in a relationship that we hope would get better actually gets worse. And then we have this voice that says in our ear, don't bother the teacher anymore. Don't bother Jesus anymore about that situation. Just don't bother praying about it anymore. You're beaten, man. You're beaten. Just forget about it. And I've done it myself. I've prayed for things, longed for breakthroughs. No breakthrough comes. Things didn't get better. They got worse. And what did I do? Yeah, what did I do? I can't keep on praying forever, can I? I can't keep dust up. I can't keep praying. But Jesus actually said that we should pray and never give up. You mean like if the person is dead, pray and never give up. So Jairus is at a situation where most people, humanly speaking, would say, you know what, this one's gone too far. You know what, this situation is just gone and there's no bringing it back. Because normally dead people don't come back. And he has a choice to make. Just like you have a choice to make about the situation that is dead in your life. You can say, Lord, I'm not going to bother bother you with this anymore. This is all over. Now, sometimes God speaks to us and clearly shows us that we should leave something rest and forget about it. But there's other times when we give up so much way too soon. We give up too soon. Now, was he giving up too soon? Would anybody have blamed him for giving up? Your daughter's dead. Your daughter's dead, Jairus. What are you doing? What are you doing? And this is the roller coaster that he's on. Much like the roller coaster that you can be on. And if you haven't been on that roller coaster, I'm going to wait because you're going to be on that roller coaster. Mark my words. Your hopes are going to be disappointed. Your expectations are going to drop. And then God will surprise you. Would anybody say amen? Let's continue with the story. It says this, that Jesus overheard them say this to Jairus. And he said to him, don't be afraid, just have faith. And if it was me, and it's not, thankfully, I would have said, Lord, like seriously, did you not hear what they said? She's dead. Jesus said, don't be afraid, just have faith. What what does that mean? Have faith that I'll be able to cover the funeral expenses? What, 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 does, what does, don't be afraid, just have faith. And, and Jairus is standing there with this devastating news. Now, I, have, I haven't, thanks be to God, lost a child. Um, but I cannot imagine, my head can't even get into this space where somebody would walk up to me and say, your child is dead. I just can't get my head into that space. It must have been absolutely devastating. But Jesus was there. And where Jesus is, there's always hope, brothers and sisters. Where Jesus is, there's always hope. Even in your situation at the darkest hour, if Jesus is in it, there's hope. It can turn. Would anybody say? Just have faith. It goes on to say this. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. And he went inside and he said, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. No, Jairus' worst fears are now being confirmed. He arrives at the house and all the village have gathered around. And the professional mourners are ah, la, 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 weeping, wailing. The flu 
hearts are being played. They're playing, they're singing funeral songs. You know, in that culture, somebody was buried very quickly, normally before sundown, if that was possible, on the day that they died. So like, it's like he arrived at the removal just before she's about to be effectively buried. And all of the evidence shows she's lying in the room dead. The crowd have gathered around singing funeral songs. They're bringing food to the house to have the funeral feast. She's definitely dead, lads. They're not making it up. But Jesus said, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. And then one of my favorite verses, one surprising verses. It says the crowd laughed at him. <laughs> he thinks she's asleep. <laughs> Come here. I can see why you were thrown out of medical school, boy. She's <laughs> only asleep. You got me. She's cold, boy. She's cold. They laughed at Jesus. You know, sometimes we can have in our heads that Jesus went around walking authoritatively everywhere. And everybody who met him went, yes, Lord. Fell at his feet and listened carefully as he preached and teached. No, he didn't. They derided him. They mocked him. They laughed at him. And do you know what they're going to do? They're going to deride you. They're going to mock you. They're going to laugh at you. Laugh at you. Has anybody here been laughed at for their faith in Jesus Christ? Yet your law of Asuas, some of you haven't, you might need to tell people about your faith in Jesus Christ. <laughs> if you tell them you're a Christian, you might find they'll do a little bit of laughing. You'll be amazed. They laughed at him. But he made them all leave. He kicked them out of the house. Hallelujah. He kicked them out of the house. Your brothers and sisters, I say this prophetically this morning to some who are in this room. There is people that you need to kick out of your house. You need to kick them out of your life. There's people who are pulling you down, dragging you down with their words, with their mocking attitude. Put them out of your life. It's that easy. No, if it's your husband, we need to have a conversation about it. <laughs> but there's people you need to be put out of your life. Amen? Amen. Take that into heart. We can talk about it afterwards. We're going to have a chat. He took the girl's father and mother with the three disciples and went to the room where the girl was lying. Holding her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. And they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. You're Jairus. You're Jairus' wife. You're standing in the bedroom with your dead daughter. And in walks the master of life, the author of life itself. You don't recognize him because he just looks like a rabbi to you. But he's the author of life. And he speaks to the daughter. Little girl, get up. And her eyes flicker open. And you're like, what? what? And then she shakes her head. And she sits up. And she gets out of the bed and she starts walking around. Like, huh, is the only word that describes that situation. Sometimes your situation can be resurrected too. Sometimes your hope can be resurrected too. Sometimes the thing that you thought was gone, Jesus can say, I say to you, get up, and it will get up. Hallelujah.
It's probably not much good us saying, I say to you, get up. It's not going to happen. But when Jesus says, get up, you get up. Amen. Amen. Look at the rest of Jairus' journey. Remember the roller coaster ride that he's on? Jesus is coming anyway to the house. That's good, yeah? yeah. But then he sees there's a crowd of mourners. That's bad, yeah? yeah. Jesus says she's just asleep. That's good, yeah? yeah? That's okay. The crowd laughs. That's not good. Jesus kicks them out. That's good. Yeah. Amen. He kicks them out. He kicks out the laughing crowds who doubt God's power at work in him. And hallelujah. Jesus raises his daughter from the dead. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be Jairus? Can you imagine when you were 84 years of age and Jairus says, and then we walked into the bedroom and Jesus said to Tabitha, Talitha, I thought it was Tabitha, he was saying, Talitha, come. And she stood up and she walked around the room. And I said to Beth, I says, Beth, are you sure she's not a zombie? And Beth says, She's definitely not a zombie because he just told her to give her something to eat and there's something to eat. And I'll never forget it to this day how that happened. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to be at the age of 84 telling stories like that? I hope when I'm old, calling in my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, would anybody say amen? amen. Sit up there, Amini, and I'll tell you about what Jesus did for me. My great-grandchildren will sit on my knee. Are you all right, Joshua? Joshua. No, it's not going to be. Not gonna be. <laughs> Finton, I sit up on my knee there, okay? And I say to them, did your grandfather ever tell you that he was lucky to be born? That if it wasn't for the Lord, you wouldn't even exist. <laughs> Hallelujah. My situation was dead. But Jesus said, get up. Hallelujah. Your situation may be dead, but Jesus says, get up. Amen. Amen. Do you know something? When you're in a situation like that, let me tell you this, you're in good company for bad times. You need to read your Bible because you need to read the story of Joseph. Joseph, what happens to him? His brothers laughed at him. Who do you think you are? <laughs> but God's promise was fulfilled in his life. But what happened along the way? He was forgotten. He was imprisoned. He was accused. All the way along the line, what happened for Joseph? Things got bad. They went from bad to worse. Look at the story of Moses in Exodus chapter 3 to 5. The Lord calls him, burning bush, fire. The Lord speaks to Moses, speaks to more of the burning bush. I want you to go and say to Pharaoh, let my people go. So he goes, okay, so I'll do that. And he goes and he tells, and he says to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, the Lord, who's the Lord? And why should I let your people go? He effectively laughed at Moses. Get away out of here. And what happens to Moses? He goes back to the people of Israel, the people that he was sent to deliver. And they said to him, go where you go. Sorry, that's not in the Hebrew. In the, it's in the Greek. Thank you. Thank you, Dara. What are you after doing? You're after getting us into hotter water with Pharaoh than we were before this. Up to this point, we were slaves. Now we're slaves. We have to supply our own material. Things went from bad for Moses 
to even worse before they got better. Look at the story of David and 1 Samuel. Samuel, the, the prophet, comes along and anoints him with oil, calls to his house, says, I want to see your sons, Jesse. And Jesse brings out his sons, and he says, no, not the six of those big, handsome, hairy fellas. And he brings in this little run to the fellow, who's going out winding the sheep out in the farm? And, and they call in David, and then the Lord anoints David. And it, Samuel anoints David, and it's not like, not one of these kind of little gentle kind of anointings like we do, kind of like, the Lord bless you now. Now one of those little ones is like, pouring the oils, running down his beard, and the Lord says, you're going to be the king, and David says, I'm going to be the king. And then he goes and he works for Samuel, or Saul, he goes for work, to work for the existing king. What does the existing king? He throws a spear at him. Imagine going into work tomorrow morning to your boss, and he pulls out an AK-47, Get back to work. Your bros is from Russia. Yes, it's okay. Imagine your boss throwing spears at you. Do you have a difficulty in work? Jesus can solve that. Do you have a difficulty with your family? Jesus can solve that. Hallelujah. Do you have a difficulty with your people? Maybe the people of Cork, boy, reject you because you're not from Cork yourself. And even when I'm from cock myself, and I tell them I'm a Christian, they go, you might be from cock. <laughs> but we're still going to laugh at you because you're a goal. you got to love the people of Cork. I love Cork. Or as Prince Charles say, I love County Walker. Yes. Just a pleasure sees with your Jesus, yes. Finally, look at Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, Paul gets a job from the Lord. The Lord says to him, I want you to go and preach the gospel. You go, Hallelujah. And what the Lord asks us to do, he provides for. Amen? Amen. And then Saul sets off to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And he gets beaten. And he gets shipwrecked. And he gets attacked by animals. And he gets stolen and robbed by bandits in the countryside. And he has his clothes stolen. So he's walking around in the wilderness to preach the gospel with no clothes on. The good news becomes the good nudes. He's called to do God's work and this happens to him. And Paul goes from bad to worse. His situation goes from bad to worse before it gets better. Hallelujah. So might your situation. Don't buy the dream that things can only get better. That's just not true. It's not the testimony. Of so many Christian people. I love what C.S. Lewis said about God's best. How many people here want God's best for their lives? Lava Suez, come on, put your hand up if you want God's best. If you want God's half best, you can keep your hands down. But if you want God's best like I do, I want God's best in my life. And I love it what C.S. Lewis says this. I've quoted it before, but I love what he says. He says, we're not necessarily doubting that God will do his best for us. We are wondering how painful his best will turn out to be. Ouch! This is your best, Lord. If you don't have your worst, if that's okay. God gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. Amen. And sometimes we just got to stick with it. Very, very quickly. Four fast reasons. Why things going from bad to worse can help you out. Why going through trials and tribulations and troubles benefit you. First one, it, it purifies your faith. Here's what Peter writes to the early Christians. These trials show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith, listen to this, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Amen. Your faith is more valuable to you than gold. Hello. 
And Peter starts off that, he says, lads, don't be surprised at the trial that you're going through as if something unusual were happening to you. Nothing unusual happening to you. This happens to all Christian believers. First thing it does, it purifies your faith. I want a purified faith. Even if it's not very nice, I want a purified faith. Second thing it does, it trials make us mature. Amen. We love being made mature, don't we? Hmm, come back to that one, Michael. We can rejoice, Paul wrote, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Can you imagine if every time you encountered a frustration, a problem, or a trial, you were able to say by faith, yes, Lord, this is making me stronger. Martina thinks it would be a good idea. Does anybody else think it would be a good idea? Can you imagine having a faith that looks at troubles and trials as being opportunities instead of oppositions? That God would grow your faith and change you. Hallelujah. You know weightlifter, if they want to put on muscles, I don't know much about weightlifting, but I know this. If you want to build muscle on your body, you have to lift more than you think you're able to lift. It's the only way you're going to, otherwise you'll just be... You know, these little kind of little tiny little bumping. I can do this all day. If you can do that all day, they're not building any muscle, buddy. You've got to be able to go. No, you're building muscle, brother. Through trials, we build our muscle of faith. Amen? Amen. Here's another reason. In the midst of trials and troubles... God's faithfulness is demonstrated. God isn't really being slow about keeping his promises, some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He's not slow in keeping his promises. You see, the problem for us is not will God keep his promises. The question is, do we have faith to believe that God will keep his promise? That's the question. He always keeps his promises. But do we have faith to believe he will keep the promises? When we go through trials and difficulties, God's faithfulness is demonstrated in our lives. Amen. Finally, I was about this for the last one. Another decent reason, God is glorified. If you get yourself out of a tight situation, you get glory. Well done you. I, you know, you were in that tight situation and you got out of it. Well done. Fast thinking, quick moving. Good. But when God delivers you, it is God who gets the glory. Amen. Paul said this, he said, we expected to die in one situation, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God, who does what? He raises the dead. He raises the dead. So no matter how bad, brothers and sisters, no matter how much worse your bad can sometimes get, God is the one who raises the dead. Hallelujah. And because of that, I can honestly tell you that we all have a bright future ahead of us. Amen. We have a bright future ahead of us because all of us, all of us will hear, all of us who trust in God, will all hear the voice of Jesus Christ one day say to us, "Little, my son, arise. My child, get up. Hallelujah. Every one of us will one day hear that voice. We may hear it in situations that we face now, but there is a day coming when we will hear the voice of God. This is what Jesus himself said, last verse of the day in John's gospel. He said, I assure you, the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
that girl was dead in that room, but she heard the voice of the Son of God, and she lived. Have you got a dead situation? Have you got a situation where you're being tempted to say, you know what, I'm not going to bother the teacher anymore. Because you know what the devil loves to do? He loves to get you doubting God's intentions, God's plans, God's promises, and God's word. That's what he loves to do. If he can get you doubting that, he's home and dry. You kind of do the rest yourself. Have you got a situation? Do you want to be able to say, Lord, I need to hear your voice. I need to hear your voice so that this situation in my life will live. Maybe you're like David, having spears thrown at you by a boss. Maybe your work situation is difficult. Maybe you're like Joseph or a family situation. It's just the, your whole family is turned against you. Maybe one member of your family, maybe your own wife has turned against you. I don't know, a husband, I don't know, child, I don't know. And you're tempted to say, Lord, I just give up on this. This isn't working out. Can we bring impossible cases to Jesus? And say, Lord, will you speak to these situations today? Because you know what? That's where we grow. That's, that's where we grow. Will you stand with us? We're going to pray. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to do a closing song. The Lord's my shepherd in a second. And we're going to pray. In the midst of a busy day, in the midst of a busy season, we're going to pray. If you're here this morning and you want to say, Lord, should that ever come to me? Should I ever be in the situation where I have the choice to just let it go or bring it to you. Lord, would you give me the wisdom? Would you give me the strength? Would you give me the faith to bring my situations to you? If that's you, would you raise your hand? We're going to pray. Now, some of you are here today and you already are facing a situation that is as good as dead. Maybe it's a work situation, a relationship situation. Maybe it's somebody you've been praying for that they would come to the Lord, but the situation seems as good as dead. And even though you've prayed, it seems to have gotten worse. Would you like to bring that situation before God today? And let's bother the teacher together. Would anybody say amen? Would you bring that situation? Would you raise your hand if you have a situation you need to bring before God today? We're going to sing and we're going to pray. Let's sing, the Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. If you want to pray for a situation, or you want to say, Lord, I want to make the right choice, at the bottom of my swing, when my situation seems dead, will you come to the front and we're going to pray together. We're going to sing as you come forward. Let's do this and make it real for just a couple of minutes. Lord, my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me lie in pastures green. And I will trust in you alone And I will trust in you alone For your endless mercy follows me Your goodness will lead me home our situation before the Lord the people who are up here have a particular situation today where they need God to move a situation that they've almost given up on can I ask you as the congregation would you pray with us as well as we're praying Amen. would you reach out a hand towards our brothers and sisters here at the front 
Not so you can send beams, but so that we can focus our prayers. Lord Jesus, we bring our situations before you. Lord, some of these situations are relational. Lord, we bring a relationship before you, Lord, that is almost or as good as dead and we're just tempted to give up on it, Lord. For some, it's a work situation. Lord, they're dealing with a boss that they just can't deal with, Lord. Or fellow workers, Lord, who are laughing at them or making life difficult for them, Lord. You know every situation. For some here, Lord, it's a health situation. The news is not good, Lord. And the situation has gone from bad to worse. But we know that you are the one who brings life. Would anyone say amen? Lord, we're asking you, would you bring your word and bring your life into these situations we bring before you this morning? Would you bring your word into these situations, Lord? Though we're tempted to give up and let go and let it all fall, Lord, we pray that we wouldn't be like that, Lord. But Lord, that we would hold on, trusting in you, Lord, because you truly are the good shepherd of the sheep, Lord. We look to you this morning. Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning. Let's raise our hands to heaven. Lord, I pray this morning for everyone here, Lord. I pray for those, Lord, today who need to put someone out of their life, who need to say to someone, you need to go out of my life. You're dragging me down, Lord. I pray for courage and strength and wisdom for your people this morning, Lord. Sometimes we just got to give people their marching orders, Lord. I pray your spirit, Lord, would come upon those who need that this morning, Lord. But for all of us, Lord, whether our situation today is good, great, above excellent. Lord, I know that a day is coming when it won't be, Lord. And I pray that in that day, Lord, when the day comes when things go from bad to worse, I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that the day will come, Lord. When that day comes that we will lean on you, that we will bother the teacher. Would anybody say amen? Lord, that we won't give up, Lord, but that we will turn again and again to the Lord. Lord, even though the voices are discouraging, and the situation looks discouraging and even looks defeated, Lord. Help us, I pray, Lord. Not to doubt your promises. Would anyone say amen? Not to doubt your word. Would anyone say amen? And not to doubt your timing. Would anyone say amen? And Lord, lastly, I pray that we wouldn't doubt your purposes and intentions in our life, Lord. You're making us more and more like the Master Jesus every day. Lord, we commit the coming week into your hands and ask you, would you go before us? Would you be behind us? Would you be beside us in every situation? Working, resting, or playing this week. We commit it all into your hands. In Jesus' name, and the Lord's people finally said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. God bless and go with you, brothers and sisters. Don't forget, we're here again on Tuesday night. We're serving tea and coffee upstairs in the atrium now. And for the next hour, we're starting again at 12 o'clock. We'll see you on Tuesday night and don't forget our carol service next Sunday morning, 10 and 12 of you.